Live around the globe, it's time for Rudy Max's World on the SSI Radio Network. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Across the deserts, bare man. I breathe the mountain air, man. I travel, I've had my share, man. I've been everywhere. Get on the phone now and call 800-387-8025. That's 1-800-387-8025. Or email the show at info at rudymaxa.com. And now, the savvy traveler himself, Rudy Maxa. Welcome aboard. You're listening to America's premier radio travel show. I'm your junior radio host, Rudy Max. I do hope you're somewhere warm today. It's been a brutal week in the upper Midwest, the Mid-Atlantic, and especially in New England, where zero temps were often the day's high. It was scary up there this week. Well, we've got a full house of interesting guests today, beginning with the guy who started that website that really, really, really irritates United Airlines. More on that in just a moment. Then you've heard of El Dorado, that lost city of gold that drove so many European explorers to their deaths while looking for great wealth in the rainforests and the mountains of South America. Those were some of 17th century's most intrepid travelers. But it also turns out they were on a fool's errand because it appears there never was a lost city of gold after all. We're going to hear about those unlucky travelers in about 15 minutes with an expert from the British Museum and find out what El Dorado was anyway. And after years of telling us those full-body scanners at airports were perfectly safe, the TSA is removing them. Well, one kind of them anyway. We're going to learn the story behind the story when we talk with Barbara Peterson. She's Condé Nast Traveler's senior aviation correspondent, She'll join us soon. Then Courtney Scott from Travelocity will be here to pinpoint where spring breakers are looking forward to partying. And Rick Sini from Fair Compare lets us in on a way to save money on flights to Europe and Asia that no website, no flight comparison website, is ever going to tell you about. Let's start by taking a look at this week's news and travel. Well, Boeing was hoping for a quick resolution to the problems the 787 Dreamliner has been experiencing. In both the U.S. as well as in Japan, investigators are frantically, they say working around the clock, to try to determine why fires broke out due to the malfunction of lithium battery packs in two 787s flown by Japanese airlines. These, battery power, uh, these batteries power electrical systems on the planes, such as when the planes are idle and you know, they need the air conditioning on and lights and so on. All 50 of the 787s in the world were grounded on January 16th by the FAA. And as we head into the second week of that grounding, it appears increasingly clear that it's not going to be a quick fix. Investigators in the U.S. and Japan promise they won't permit the plane to fly again until the problem is isolated and repaired, and no one's disagreeing with them. But there are reports that both Congress and others have begun asking why the FAA apparently allowed the battery systems to be certified safe by the airline rather than by FAA inspectors. Boeing keeps saying the safety of its passengers is its primary responsibility, but that doesn't answer any of the questions of why the battery fires, uh, that doesn't answer any of the questions the battery fires have raised. Um, I expect we'll be talking about this next weekend again. Meanwhile, it was a pretty good year for airlines as fourth quarter numbers came in this week. U.S. Airways reported a record annual profit of more than half a billion dollars. Southwest reported its 40th, 40th straight year of profitability. How about that? Southwest, 40 years of being profitable. And Alaska Air earned $44 million in the fourth quarter alone. Bankrupt American lost money for the year. We expected that. But the real GOAT was United. It had a loss in the year of 2012 of a whopping $723 million. That's when everybody around them made money, well, except for American. You can blame that on the badly handled merger of United and Continental. Computer glitches and other problems caused premium business passengers and others to choose other airlines. Management saying all the right things. Oh, the most difficult part of our mergers behind us, for example. But there's not yet any proof of that. United announced it will trim management and administrative staff by 6% beginning next month. 
On our show the first weekend of December, Jeremy Cooperstock joined me. He's a curator of our website called Untied.com. It's a site that compiles complaints from passengers and employees of United Airlines. You can see the similarity between Untied and United if you spell them out and look at it. Now, while the site makes abundantly clear it's not United's site, the airline, after years of suffering embarrassing postings, filed suit in November, last November, claiming that Untied too closely resembled its own site, though I defy you to try to book a ticket on Untied.com. I want to catch up with Cooper Smith because he discovered something quite interesting about it when his site went up and when United, and as compared to when United began its website. Jeremy, welcome back to the show. Nice to have you here. Good morning, Rudy. Thanks for having me back. Good morning. Uh, Jeremy, by the way, is a professor in Canada. Um, he doesn't do Untied for a living. He did it, started it as a hobby when people started complaining. And you have discovered, as this lawsuit has started to unfold, something sort of interesting about the timing of when everybody put up their websites, haven't you? Right. Well, it's something that I evidently forgot since it's been uh, so many years since I set up the site. But when I registered Untied back in April of 1997, at the time, United Airlines was using UAL.com as their internet domain name. And I chose Untied almost two years before they decided to register United.com, which they did in the end of uh, December, December 1998. Interesting. Do you think that strengthens your hand at all in this suit to say, look, I had Untied uh, before they even had United? Yeah, I think it's, it's very, very important because, the, of course, the airline here is accusing me of encroaching on their name or causing customer confusion by the choice of my domain name, Untie.com. Well, who created the confusion in the first place? Of course, they did. They had no reason to switch from UAL.com. They chose a name that deliberately maybe mimics or, or tries to copy the good name of Untied and has stolen that for themselves. Uh, it's, it's similarly just as ridiculous, I would say, as their claim in the other court case, the Quebec Superior Court, that I'm somehow violating the privacy of their employees by posting their work contact information when the employees themselves are the ones who posted the same information all over the Internet. So both of their claims really have no merit, and this is what I'm hoping to, sh to show to the courts here. Fascinating. And Jeremy, I know I did this to you last time. I introduced you again as Jeremy Cooper Smith. It's Jeremy Cooper Stock. My apologies. My producer no just corrected me. Um, okay, we, Jerry Cooper. So now, now, let me ask you something, Jeremy. You live in Canada. United is headquartered in Chicago. I presume they filed suit in the United States or where? No, no, they've only sued me in Canada so far. I, I expect that when the Canadian courts dismiss the action or uh, find in, in my favor, that United's uh, heavy-handed lawyers may decide they want to keep coming after me and they may try something similar in the United States. And uh, as I made clear through the site, I'm determined to keep on fighting and keep on expressing free speech and keep on with consumer criticism of a company that really needs its criticism. And uh, I certainly don't believe that heavy-handed responses by these sort of huge companies in attempts to silence con consumer criticism should be rewarded. So if they do bring suit with me, I will continue to fight in the United States. And I'm certainly hoping that others will feel likewise and uh, feel compelled to help out by perhaps making a donation to my legal defense through the website. The website is untied.com, and if you go to it right now, you'll see, first of all, something will pop up a box saying, this is not the website of United Airlines. This site exists only because of the airline's outright hostility toward its passengers and many of its employees. And then you click a box saying, I understand, or no, leave this page, which you do if you want to book an airline ticket. Um, has there? I know the suit was only filed in November, and I gather you have responded to it. Is that correct? That's right. I've filed in the Quebec case, which deals with the uh, privacy of employees, I've, I've filed three motions. They're called preliminary exceptions to the cause. Uh, two of them uh, asked the court to dismiss the action outright and not even proceed further into trial. Uh, one, because it's an obvious slap suit 
which is a strategic lawsuit against public participation, basically showing that it's an effort by a company to try to silence uh, freedom of expression. And in the federal case, uh, I was uh, given leave by the court to file my defense uh, just this past week, my statement of defense, in which I outlined the facts that, of course, I'm not, uh, I- I'm not trying to trade on United's name, given that I registered my domain name before they registered theirs. And moreover, then in terms of copyright law, my actions are completely protected under Canadian law because right. uh, in, in Canada, copyright uh, doesn't, uh, pr- doesn't protect the company from okay, Jeremy, Jeremy, we're going to keep up with it. we got to say goodbye. Thanks. To participate in the program and speak with Rudy Maxa, call 800-387-8025 or email the show at info at rudymaxa.com. Love hardwood? Get it for up to 59% less at Lumber Liquidator's Hardwood Flooring Sale. Bella Wood pre-finished Brazilian hardwood is up to 47% less. Pre-finished birch, just $169 a square foot. Our best laminates are 20% off are already incredibly low prices. Plus, get special extended financing. Don't miss out. These unheard of deals are available only while supplies last. Hardwood flooring sale is going on now. So visit LumberLiquidators.com or get to your local store today. Running a facility, chances are managing inventory isn't your favorite part of the day. Stocking and tracking, ordering and organizing, all necessary evils eating up your time. That's why Granger's Keep Stock services help you manage your inventory more efficiently, from basic labeling and scanning to secure dispensing machines, putting you in total control, often allowing you to buy less, making things seem, well, not so evil anymore. Contact your Granger representative or visit Granger.com slash keepstock today. Granger for the ones who get it done. Ladies, are any of these symptoms familiar? Weight gain, hot flashes, rapid heartbeat, night sweats? How about fatigue, nausea, low energy? Or what about sleeplessness, low libido, and fat storage, especially around the belly area? If you're a woman over 40 experiencing any of these symptoms, you probably have hormonal imbalance. And until you balance your hormones, it'll be practically impossible to get rid of these problems. But you're in luck because Ambrin is the all-natural formula clinically shown to cause sustained weight loss in women over 40 with no big change in lifestyle. Ambrin restores hormonal imbalance in women over 40, so the extra pounds fall away and the other symptoms simply disappear. To receive a complimentary risk-free trial with a free 30-day supply, just be one of the first 50 callers right now at 1-800-525-2563. Free supplies are limited, so be one of the first callers right now at 1-800-525-2563. That's 1-800-525-2563. To join Rudy Maxa, call 800-387-8025. You can email the show at info at rudymaxa.com. Now back to Rudy Maxa's World. If you're a regular listener to the show, you know it's all about travel. We, we look at travel in a lot of different ways. We even talk about people who traveled centuries ago. That's what we're going to do here for a moment. Uh, for a moment uh, today. Dr. Jago Cooper is the curator of the Americas at the British Museum, and he's got a new series that just started on BBC4 overseas that looks at, uh, the well, it's called The Lost uh, Kingdoms of South America. And one of his episodes is about a place called El Dorado. We probably sort of all heard about that in our schools. It was probably a lost city of gold somewhere in South America, and in the 17th century, all these explorers, European explorers, were going over there to try to you know, make their fortune and find this lost city of gold. Uh, Dr. Cooper, have I summarized it correctly? So far, you're the historian here. 
Yeah, that's exactly right, Rudy. Um, it's a really a, a story about looking for gold, looking for treasure at the end of the rainbow. But the true story is that El Dorado wasn't a place, it was a person, a rite of passage uh, for the Muisca living in ancient Colombia. And we didn't, we didn't know this until, uh, until rec- relatively recently, correct? That's right. There's been some recent scientific work by archaeologists studying gold artifacts uh, in Colombia, and it's really an exploration of the, of the historical sources of the first Europeans to arrive who, who witnessed this ceremony and started to write some stories about it. So the, the ceremony, so when we talk about El Dorado or the Lost City of Gold, we're really talking about just physical religious icons that were used in a ceremony. Is that a fair summation? Yeah. Yeah, El Dorado uh, literally means the golden one, and it refers to a person. And it was a, a rite of passage ceremony for a new leader in the Muisca community. And, uh, and the evidence suggests that this person would have been part of a ceremony in which they may have gone out into a lake on a raft and offered up gold and emeralds and precious objects into the lake as an offering of this rite of passage. Do we know in a broad sense of the word where this is it where present-day Colombia might be, or...? Yeah, funnily enough, the capital city of Colombia, Bogota, uh, was actually once a Muisca uh, village, which was then built upon by the Europeans. So that really is the heart of the Muisca kingdom of old. And and we we know that it, it was it was a perilous task searching for this city that didn't exist in the 17th century, wasn't it? Certainly was. I mean, many explorers set off from Europe to find El Dorado because you know the Europeans who arrived saw these people wearing all this gold. And they just, they just didn't understand where it could have come from. That's how this myth originated, that one place had all this gold and it was spread around South America. The reality is that the gold was just coming from the rivers and being made quite locally all over South America. But yeah, people set out on exploration for El Dorado, and it certainly helped push them into territories they may never have otherwise gone to in the Amazon and across the Andes. And yes, many lost their lives. Do we have written records of this? Did they keep notes? Uh, there are some written records. Frail is the, one of the best records we have of the of the Muisca legend. But I mean, and it's, it's only the Europeans who wrote about it. The indigenous right. population didn't have a written text, and therefore that is why so much of this information can only be found by archaeologists digging holes and finding artifacts and interpreting them. But do we have any written texts from the travelers themselves about the hardships or how long they searched or what happened to their search party? Yes, we have some of the chronicles. Some of the chronicles. Um, and they are held in different museums, different archives around Europe, um, obviously written in, um, in, in Latin and, and different languages, which then we can translate and start to get a glimmer. But we have to understand that those Europeans had a very different worldview. For them, they were exploring a territory that was a completely inhospitable and one they completely didn't understand. Um, and so the way that we have to think about those texts, it, it requires a little bit of, uh, a little bit of intellectual thought to, to understand them properly. My guest is Dr. Jago Cooper. He is the curator of the Americas at the British Museum. We've reached him in the United Kingdom. He is the host of a series of new shows on BBC4 called Lost Kingdoms of South America, which may make it their way here to the United States. And one in particular focuses on El Dorado, what for so many, well, centuries, people thought was some lost city of gold somewhere covered by probably the jungle in South America. Well, uh, Jago, let me ask you this. Or Dr. Cooper, let me ask you this. Um, Given that we've only come recently to understand that there really is no lost city of gold, does that suggest that through the 18th, 19th, and even the 20th century, there were a few guys out there beating the bush looking for the, looking for it? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that um, I think people love to have that idea of mis- mysterious places of they can go and explore. And in many ways, you know, El Dorado maybe obviously doesn't exist as a as a city of gold, 
But the idea of it, the idea of going on an exploration to discover something completely new, that still remains. And many people still set off to South America to find something new, be that uh, you know, some of the precious plants and new animals in the Amazon. I mean, that idea of, of not under, fully understanding the, the continent is still very much alive. Well, I mean, we're still looking for the lost city of Atlantis right over there in your part of the world. And uh, uh, <laughs> Yes, it, as an archaeologist, that would be another one I don't think anyone'll ever find. But, um, but are, it's are, true, are you Atlantis. are you an archaeologist by training? I should have pointed that out. Yeah, I very much am. Yeah, I've done it since I was a small child. Yes. Okay. Uh, right. So you would love to get in on the lost city of Atlantis as well, right? Over they're on the coast of Spain, allegedly. <laughs> well, obviously, yeah, there's the lost city of Atlantis. I, I think is very much uh, another one of these uh, myths, which um, which which grows out of the the human desire to explain things that sometimes people can't explain. And so obviously the Los City of Atlantis does not exist, but um, just like El Dorado, the city of gold does not exist. But it doesn't stop people thinking about that idea, and, uh, and it's quite a good thing. You know, it shows the passion of human culture. Tell me a little about the uh, Muisca Society there in what is now Colombia, or at least in that region of South America. They were, were they worshipping icons of animals or living creatures? I mean, what's really interesting is that they had a completely different way that they used gold. For them, gold wasn't precious because of its material value. It was precious because it offered a way of communing with their gods. So they would commission pieces of gold to be made and then immediately bury them or throw them in the lake as an offering to help balance their, their relationship with their environment. And so you know, we can start to understand the, the very different ways in which Muisca society works through studying those artifacts. So they were not using gold as a, a currency or, or, or a means of trading for anything? No, absolutely not. They didn't have a market economy. They didn't have coins. They didn't use money, as we understand it. They only bartered and exchanged things. But for them, gold wasn't something that they bartered and exchanged in that way. It was, um, it was much more precious for its value um, as a link with the, the deities rather than as, a, as an everyday currency. Well, that certainly must have confused European explorers coming over, who, of course, coveted gold for its, its monetary value. Exactly. And that, and that clash, I think, still remains in South America today. You, know, the, you have very different attitudes to material value amongst indigenous populations in South America and you know, the people who are inherited from European colonizers. And so the, you know, the, you, there is just a different worldview, a completely different worldview in how people approach material objects and wealth and their relationship with the environment that provides that wealth. Did the travelers from Europe, um, as they did, for example, in French Polynesia, did they bring with them diseases that were unknown to the Musco people, and, and did they wreak havoc on, on, on that society? Absolutely, absolutely. And so, you know, Columbus arrived in 1492 in the Caribbean, and the diseases that Europeans bring spread down to South America long before they actually may meet Europeans in person, because the disease just spreads through contact between communities. And so, yeah, we know that smallpox and other diseases ravaged the population in South America. It's amazing how things don't change. The big news in America the last 48 hours has been the sudden appearance of this norovirus traced to Australia that is ravishing, and, you know, people dump, you know, bent over with, you know, vomiting and diarrhea for the last 48 hours, and, it, it, you know, it traveled. It came from another place. It does, and, um, and I think that the lesson from this is that we should always learn from the past. Learning lessons and understanding the past is the best way for us to understand problems that we have in the modern day. Perhaps the last question. Are there any um, populations that can still be traced directly to the Muisca? I mean, are there any, any pockets of people without televisions and DVRs? Um, 
so the Muisca community, there is still a living Muisca community uh, near Bogota, but they've very much um, been acculturated by European culture. But there are other indigenous populations that are still very much alive and well and living in, a, in, a, in their own traditional ways that haven't changed much by European uh, influence in other parts of Colombia. Did you go to Colombia for this uh, report for BBC? Yep, I certainly did. I spent some time in the Muisca region and also went up to the north, to the Sierra Nevada de Santa Marta, which is a mountain range on the north coast up by the Caribbean, where the Kogi community live, and they're very much a group that maintain a very strong traditional way of life. Do you happen to know if the Lost Kingdoms of South America, the BBC series, might be coming to the States at some point? Yeah, I, I think it's a very, very highly likely, yes. The BBC well, are in negotiation with some of the U.S. channels, and I'm sure it will. Well, we'll look for it, Dr. Cooper. I, I thank you for taking your time out of your weekend in the United Kingdom and talking with us. Appreciate it very, very much. Thank you, Rudy. It's great time to see you. Dr. Jago Cooper is in charge of the America's Division of the British Museum. He's host of a new BBC series called Lost Kingdoms of South America that will, I'm sure, will make its way to our shores soon. But just a great story of travelers in the 17th century looking for something that never existed and talking about something, which i.e. I, I gold, which to them meant something entirely different than it meant to the indigenous population they encountered with that gold. They were thrown in their lakes uh, because it was a spiritual uh, currency as opposed to a monetary currency. Fabulous stuff. I thank Dr. Cooper for uh, joining us. Stick around in just a moment. When we come back, we're going to talk about why those TSA full-body scanners, many of them, are suddenly disappearing from airports. Is the TSA admitting that they might have caused some problems to health in the long run for us, which they never did before? Barbara Peterson from Condé Nast Traveler explains. Stick with us. Rudy Max's world is coming right back. So get on the phone now at 800-387-8025. That's 1-800-387-8025. You can also enjoy the program anytime at rudymaxa.com. Ladies, are any of these symptoms familiar? Weight gain, hot flashes, rapid heartbeat, night sweats? How about fatigue, nausea, low energy? Or what about sleeplessness, low libido, and fat storage, especially around the belly area? If you're a woman over 40 experiencing any of these symptoms, you probably have hormonal imbalance. And until you balance your hormones, it'll be practically impossible to get rid of these problems. But you're in luck because Ambrin is the all-natural formula clinically shown to cause sustained weight loss in women over 40 with no big change in lifestyle. Ambrin restores hormonal imbalance in women over 40, so the extra pounds fall away and the other symptoms simply disappear. To receive a complimentary risk-free trial with a free 30-day supply, just be one of the first 50 callers right now at 1-800-525-2563. Free supplies are limited, so be one of the first callers right now at 1-800-525-2563. That's 1-800-525-2563. To participate in the program, call now at 800-387-8025 or log on to RudyMaxa.com. Here's Rudy Maxa. Welcome back to 33 Minutes After the Hour. Well, with the introduction, well, you know, it really started with the underwear bomber. The TSA scrambled to find a way to be able to, well, for lack of a better word, x-ray us to see if we might be hiding things on our persons that could cause 
harm to others on airplanes. And if you travel a lot, you know that you often go through full body scans. Now, for the purposes of this conversation, there are two different kinds of body scanners. The one we're going to talk about today is made by RapiScan, and you see the name on it when you step into it. The other type of scanner is called a millimeter wave technology scanner. RapiScan is the one that created quite a havoc when it was first introduced because basically you were stripped down for somebody else's eyes, a TSA agent. Barbara Peterson is Condé Nast Traveler's senior aviation correspondent, and she recently did a, a, a very clear thinking column about the removal of the RapiScam scanners. They're disappearing from airports, Barbara. What I'm not clear about is this sort of mushy reason the TSA is giving for their being taken away. They're not saying, oh, you might be harmed by the x-rays, or oh, it's a violation of your privacy. No, no, no. They're saying the manufacturer or what? Yes, well... Their reason was, um, officially anyway, that the manufacturer couldn't meet a congressional mandate um, to get the sort of generic picture of us in there. It's a new software fix, which is allegedly to address the invasion of privacy issue. But the reason why I say allegedly is I think like many of us who follow this, that it's sort of a smokescreen. I mean, you know, basically they could have done it if they had to. I think this was a sort of politically palatable way to get these problematic machines out because there are a lot of problems with them. It's not just the privacy issue. But that was the official reason. Uh, Congress has been very interested in this issue uh, because they've been hearing from thousands of constituents who, who are upset about it. So they threw in a measure which said, essentially, by June of this year, which is already extended, by the way, from last year, they have to have completely removed any identifying features from the images that screeners can see. And the rapid scan ones, are those the ones where you put your hands up over your head and it sort of circles around you, or is that the millimeter wave one? Yes, well, well, they're similar. Um, I think a lot of flyers actually may not know which one they're in, and mm. that is another problem, too. When you go to an airport, you don't say, oh, I'll take the RapiScan one or I'll take the millimeter wave one. No, you just <laughs> go through the scanner. Um, I, and I think that a lot of people just have a problem with them to begin with because, again, how do we know really what you're going through? Um, the old-fashioned walk-through metal detectors, those we understand. That one is, you know, um, you see what you get, basically. Well, the, first of all, Israel wouldn't put them in. A lot of countries in Europe wouldn't install them for safety reasons. The uh, uh, Yes, they did sort of blur the images after the initial outcry a bit, but it's still quite uh, revealing. And then there's the case of these folks who have posted YouTube videos showing them getting through these things with metal objects hidden on their bodies. So how effective they are, we don't even know. And these puppies cost $150,000 each, by the way. This wasn't cheap, was it? No, and in fact, um, the plan has been all along to um, order up thousands of these machines. So we're talking several hundred million dollars here, at least. And um, ultimately, the plan was to make them the primary screening device, you see, which really was a different um, strategy than initially. Initially, they were supposed to be used to screen people who maybe set off the metal detector and they couldn't resolve what it set it off and that sort of thing. But then um, they decided, um, and again, depending on whom you believe, it could have been for political reasons, you know, a payback to a big contributor, to order up these very expensive machines and basically get rid of the old metal detectors and just, you know, put these in. And I think the problem is, is they've been striving to find a a machine that does it all, in effect. You know, they can screen you for metal. They can screen you for explosives. Uh, there is no such thing. I think we have to recognize that 
that that quest is just going to fail and that we really need a more sort of nimble system that can look at people instead of objects. Well, now I can tell you my girlfriend never would go through those machines. She always opted for the pat-down. How are we feeling about the millimeter wave technology? Is that generally considered safer and less obtrusive? Well, I think it's safer in the sense that it doesn't rely on the x-rays that um, you know, are, are really the issue here in terms of health. Um, in terms of privacy, um, I'm afraid you partly have to take that on faith. And um, I, they say that the images are being blurred. They say that they're going to finally go to this generic image. Um, so if that's your issue, you may still want to really play it safe. Now, you've always had the right to refuse to go through these scanners at all. You can opt for what they call an enhanced pat-down which is, you know, depending on whom you uh, ask, it, it is about the closest thing you can get to a strip search. Uh, and and that's, that a lot of people have a problem with that, too. So there's no good way around it. When I go to an airport, I will look for a lane if I see one of those metal detectors there, because they still are out there. They have not yes. replaced all of them. I always make a beeline for that lane. And, um, you know, I, usually it works out fine. Barbara Peterson is Condé Nast Traveler's senior aviation correspondent, and you can find her writings at condenasttraveler.com. If you want to read this specific piece, I did it this morning. I did a search. I just typed in, I think, TSA screeners, and it came up. So you can find Barbara's writing there. Barbara, thank you for taking time out of your weekend and talking with us. I appreciate it. Nice being with you. Nice having you on the first time. Hope we can have you on again. I'd love that. I'd appreciate it. Take care. You're listening to Rudy Max's World. Look, if you get to the airport and you see Rapiscan name is pretty prominent on those machines. If you see that one, it's not going to be there long. Opt for the pat down or go to another security lane if you have that option. We'll be right back. Call now to talk to Rudy Maxa at 800-387-8025. You can also email the show anytime at info at rudymaxa.com. Alka-Seltzer Plus presents The Cold Truth. I have a cold. I took NyQuil cold and flu, but I'm still stopped up. Well, it may treat many cold symptoms, but it doesn't have a nasal decongestant. Really? Try Alka-Seltzer Plus Night Liquid Gels to relieve your worst cold symptoms, including your stuffy nose. Oh, that sounds much better. And soon, so will you. Alka-Seltzer Plus Night Liquid Gels. Oh, what a relief it is. Use as directed. And save a dollar when you visit Alka-Seltzer on Facebook. Love hardwood? Get it for up to 59% less at Lumber Liquidator's Hardwood Flooring Sale. Bellawood prefinished Brazilian hardwood is up to 47% less. Prefinished birch, just $169 a square foot. Our best laminates are 20% off are already incredibly low prices. Plus, get special extended financing. Don't miss out. These unheard of deals are available only while supplies last. Hardwood flooring sale is going on now. So visit LumberLiquidators.com or get to your local store today. With over 900,000 products and 31 diverse product categories, Granger is basically an anything-you-need supply buffet. We've got everything from safety and electrical products to hardware, hand tools, and more. So you can efficiently purchase exactly what you need from one source, saving time and trouble. And just to be sure, the buffet thing was a metaphor. Please don't eat the stuff. Buy your supplies smarter. Just call, click Granger.com, or stop by a branch today. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Ladies, are any of these symptoms familiar? Weight gain, hot flashes, rapid heartbeat, night sweats? How about fatigue, nausea, low energy? 
Or what about sleeplessness, low libido, and fat storage, especially around the belly area? If you're a woman over 40 experiencing any of these symptoms, you probably have hormonal imbalance. And until you balance your hormones, it'll be practically impossible to get rid of these problems. But you're in luck because Ambrin is the all-natural formula clinically shown to cause sustained weight loss in women over 40 with no big change in lifestyle. Ambrin restores hormonal imbalance in women over 40, so the extra pounds fall away and the other symptoms simply disappear. To receive a complimentary risk-free trial with a free 30-day supply, just be one of the first 50 callers right now at 1-800-525-2563. Free supplies are limited, so be one of the first callers right now at 1-800-525-2563. That's 1-800-525-2563. Folks, you remember why it's so crucial to have access to travel assistance on every trip, right? Well, if you're like me, you have OnCall International. On the line is the company's CEO, Mike Kelly. Mike, why is membership with OnCall International so important? Rudy, OnCall International is a trusted leader in emergency evacuations. We offer medical evacuation to the hospital of your choice. We cover any trip beyond 50 miles from home, and we offer plans to fit every budget or need. Save 30% off your membership today with the code MAXA30 at OnCallInternational.com. Got a question or comment? Need advice? Jump on board now by calling the show at 800-387-8025 or visit the show anytime at RudyMaxa.com. Now back to Rudy Max's World. Welcome back to Rudy Max's World. Well, I know it's cold outside, but you might, well, particularly if you're a student, might already be dreaming about spring break. Courtney Scott is a senior editor at Travelocity.com. We asked her to come aboard and talk to us about that for just a moment. Courtney, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. All right, first of all, I know that you have looked at the, you and Tra- the folks at Travelocity have looked at the numbers, and what are, oh, say, the five most uh, favorite places or the most frequently visited places that kids go for spring break? Well, always at the top of our spring break list, year after year, is Mexico. I think people just flock to the area for the gorgeous beaches, um, endless activities and nightlife. It's just a beautiful destination. That's always at the top. Um, we always have Florida in the top as well. So people tend to go to Daytona Beach. They love Miami, South Florida. Uh, and and for families who are on spring break with their kids, they, of course, love to go to Orlando, Florida. And the prices in Florida tend to be really great all year round, but especially uh, during spring break. Uh, then we have Jamaica. There's so many fun destinations in Jamaica. There's Negril, Montego Bay. And then there's, there's really some unspoiled beaches. So if you want to take... Uh, a less crowded spring break getaway. Um, you can can really get away and, and uh, really go to the unspoiled natural areas of Jamaica. Really fantastic. Uh, Puerto Rico is also great, especially for people on the East Coast. It's a really quick trip down, and uh, there's some beautiful luxury resorts there that are all-inclusive uh, that give you, you know, if you really just want to max and relax and have everything at your fingertips, drinks and dinner and dancing at night. It's all-inclusive, and that's a great way to go, too. So those are really our top picks at Travelocity, and they all offer something a bit different, but what they all do offer is that great warm weather that we're just trying to get right now, especially in New York. It's it's freezing, freezing cold. Right. Now, I I wonder how much, you know, the lower drinking age in Mexico, and I presume in Jamaica, if I recall correctly, how much that affects decisions. Well, 
you know, I, I think any teenager at that age, that's definitely an attractive teacher, but um, I, I think it, it's important to always make sure that you're staying safe when you're traveling and using common sense. Well, as a father, uh, you know, I couldn't agree more, Courtney. I certainly agree with you. I was just wondering. You um, you also mentioned uh, when we talked before you came on, on this hour, you talked about cruising as an option. I think cruising is a fantastic option for spring break. It's not always at the top of people's minds, but um, there are all types of cruises that appeal to couples, groups, families. And we are in the middle of wave season, which is the industry's um, time of year where they release the deepest discounts. 65% off is the average. So if you're looking to take a really beautiful, sunny getaway, uh, definitely look at cruising right now. You can get uh, anything from a three- to five-night cruise for, I've seen prices as little as $300, uh, $400 total. That's so per person. That's per person with two people traveling, of course. That's per person, yep. And what you've got, uh, tra- Travel Aussie's got some, something that you call a concierge service. What, how does that affect spring breakers, or how could that help spring breakers? Well, first of all, spring breakers are always looking for a great deal. So, you first of all, you want to always book a vacation package for spring break, which means you're flying, you're booking your flight in your hotel at the same time. Now, anyone who books a spring break vacation package on Travelocity will be eligible for our free concierge service. So um, whether that means helping you get restaurant referrals, reservations, uh, sporting event tickets, uh, festival tickets, spring break festival tickets, even helping you get access with a shuttle from the airport. I know in certain countries like Mexico and Puerto Rico, you might not be sure how you're getting from the airport to where you need to go. Weather forecast, too, and how to locate ATM and banks. So all of those kind of details that you may that may cause you that extra stress when you're traveling, the concierge service will take care of that for you. You dumb call. So you're actually dealing with a real person in this case. That's exactly right. So you will have a point person that will be helping you uh, kind of navigate the trip. Uh, Courtney, I was never lucky enough to take a spring break in college. Did you take one or two? Where'd you go? You know, I did. I actually um, got a chance to go to Jamaica, and I loved it. Um, I got a chance to visit Florida many times for spring break and all throughout the year. But uh, I did kind of do an adventure some spring break. I, I took a trip to backpacking in, in Europe for a week or so, and that was definitely a memorable one. I encourage all spring breakers to get out there and test out different destinations even if you're, uh, maybe you've already been to Cancun and you've already done Jamaica, you know, go off off the beaten path and check out new destinations as well. You can find all of them on travelocity.com slash deals. Did you go with a friend when you backpacked in Europe? I did. I did. I went with a couple friends, and uh, we had a fantastic time. It kind of sparked my, my love for travel at a young age. Excellent. Courtney Scott is a senior editor with travelocity.com. Uh, not too soon to start singing about spring break. Courtney, thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you again. Thanks, Rudy. Thanks for having me. Take care. We'll be right back here in Rudy Max's World in just a moment. Rudy Max's World phone lines are open now, so call us at 800-387-8025. We'll be back after these messages. The telephone number to call the program is 800-387-8025. 
That's 1-800-387-8025. Or visit the show online at RudyMaxa.com. Here again is Rudy Maxa. Welcome back. It's 52 minutes after the hour. You're in Rudy Maxa's world. If you want to write me, drop me a line at info at RudyMaxa.com or Rudy at RudyMaxa.com. If you have a question uh, about travel or something we can do on the air, I might be able to answer privately. I do not plan trips. I'm not a travel agent. I'm a travel journalist. Um, uh, normally at the end of the hour in this segment, I do my deals of the week, but I thought we might, we might have this as a small seminar on how to save some money on going overseas, particularly Asia and, and Europe. You know, in the summer, uh, fees, uh, airline prices for those two destinations, particularly Europe, go through the roof. They have the last couple of years. Um, this is the cheap time to go right now, but, you know, most people go when kids are out of school or they have vacation or the weather's more mild. Rick Sini is the man who runs faircompare.com. It's a website that, well, compares fares. And check it out if you're ever shopping for a ticket. And I wanted to talk to him about the, the prospect of saving 30%, maybe even more, by not buying a ticket the traditional way if you want to go overseas. Traditional way is you say, okay, I want to go from, I don't know, Houston to London or Houston to Athens, Georgia. Uh, excuse me, Athens, Greece, um, and you get a price, and you think, okay, that's it. No matter what website you go on, they're going to be almost about the same. Uh, again, go to Fair Compare if you want to prove that out. Um, but there's a way to do that, which is buying two separate tickets, entirely separate, and going to a hub city where the international leg of your flight might be a lot cheaper than if you combine it with a ticket out of your, your hometown. Uh, Rick, welcome to the show. Nice to have you here. Yeah, nice to be on. Thanks. Let's first talk about the positives of this before we get into the things you have to be concerned <laughs> sure. about as a consumer. Well, the, the easy positive is saving some money and maybe even, you know, having the choice of having a little bit better flight schedule as well sometimes. So the idea is if you live in a town that has maybe you know, Southwest or JetBlue or some sort of you know competitive airline that can get you to a major hub cheaply, you might want to buy that ticket by itself and then get to that hub that has a lot of international service or a lot of competition, so the price might be cheaper, and buy that ticket separately, or at least price it separately. Add the two together and see if it's cheaper than buying one ticket from your hometown. Sure, yeah, basically buying a domestic ticket. And, and this makes a big difference, not only on the U.S. carriers that fly internationally. There, there's some cities like if you want to fly Singapore Airlines, it's better to fly from the West Coast, and you can't actually buy a ticket from your city like Dallas, where I live today. So you split your ticket purchase up. Um, for example, I did that one time flying Virgin America <laughs> from Dallas, splitting the ticket up and then flying Singapore Airlines over to Asia. And typically, you so it's not just savings. The savings can be traumatic. You said 30%. I've seen ticket prices almost half price when they run these competitive sales out of certain hub cities like San Francisco and Los Angeles and Seattle over to Asia, and then out of the Northeast in, in New York, Newark, sometimes Atlanta, even Washington, D.C. They, they have some ridiculously low prices into Europe, well below anything you can buy across the nation and well below what you would do for a single domestic ticket. So you can save a lot of money, especially if you have a family of four or five. Sure. Well, our friend Scott McCartney's column, the, uh, he's, uh, he's frequently on the show. He writes the middle seat column for the Wall Street Journal. And last Thursday, he talked about these buying two separate tickets. You were quoted in the piece, in fact. Here's an example. You live in Austin, Texas, and you want to go to Turkey, to Istanbul. Now, if you just go and type in Austin, Texas to Istanbul, you're going to find you're going to pay about $1,200. This is for a May ticket, round trip on United Airlines. But if you buy an Austin to Houston ticket on United for $125, you can fly out of Houston to Istanbul for 614 It's a savings of $400 
if you buy those two separate tickets. But now let's talk about what you have to watch out for when you buy two separate tickets, Rick. Yeah, so a couple things. You've got to leave plenty of time for your connection because the airline doesn't care, at least the airline is flying from your hub. If your other flight's delayed or canceled, they won't help you out, right? If you did buy a through ticket at the higher price, they would help you out a little bit if it was their problem and they were delayed. So that's one issue. Um, so you got to leave plenty of time. I particularly like to leave one night in between when I fly to Asia. I'll fly late in the evening, stay at the hotel airport and do that. The other thing is packing. You have to, If you're going to check a bag, you have to actually pull your bag off, go through security, out of security, and back in through security, which even makes that time a little bit longer. So you got to leave plenty of time for your connection. In my particular case, I rarely check a bag, so that's never a problem. Okay, those are the two things to watch out for. You're right. You don't want to make a close connection, particularly if you've checked a bag and have to. And I, let me let me paint that picture a little more vividly than than Rick did. You land. You have to wait a half an hour to get your bag from the luggage carousel. Now you're out of security, so you've got to go back or maybe even to a different terminal if you're flying out of a big airport like LAX or O'Hare, where different airlines are in different terminals. You got to get to the other terminal, go through security again, and get to your gate. That can easily take an hour. So if you're going to buy sometimes even more. And, and, oh, and sure. if you're flying, for example, you can do this on the other side. I'm planning a trip, for example, to Madrid this summer where I want to actually go to Barcelona. The ticket prices are $2,000 if I want to connect through Barcelona because of the, the lack of connections. I can get a ticket on Whaling, which is a low-cost airline, for 80 euros. So then you have to actually exit and go through immigration as well, So which could take even, even a little bit longer if you're splitting your ticket. Sure, and if you're coming back from an international destination, you have to go through immigration before you go get your bag and go to your other second ticket. So be careful. But it certainly is a great way to save 30 or 40%. I mean, it, the savings can be amazing, but you've got to do the homework. Yeah, you've got to do the homework. Not only that, just recently there was a ticket to Istanbul first class out of New York for $1,400 round trip. For the same price you would pay coach from Houston, for example, you could fly first class on the over the over, over ocean segment. Over the long part. It's amazing. So you've got to do the, well, I guess what I'm saying is you can't go to Expedia, Travelocity, or Orbitz and find these two tickets. You've got to figure it out yourself. Rick Feeney is, uh, Rick Cini is the co-founder, I'm sorry, of FairCompare.com. Rick, thanks for joining us. Thanks. If your station's leaving us after this first hour, not sticking around for the second hour, well, I bid you adieu. We'll see you next weekend. Otherwise, take a break for about six minutes for some news, and we'll be back with more Rudy Max's World. You've been listening to Rudy Max's World, and as always, you're hearing must-hear radio on the SSI Radio Network.